Welcome to another deep dive episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to get to the bot. Wait, I've said this so many times, but I don't have it in front of me. Podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later. I'm your host, Aaron Benoit, doing a bang-up job already. Joined, as always, by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Hello. You've got it much easier. And experiencing this all for the first time, Eric Silver. Uh, happy to be on the podcast where I thought you were going to maybe do a clean take of that, but I guess not. So nope. we're, <laughs> just, with it. we're just going in. Can I tell you that we have so many like bits and like secret handshakes and like things we're expected to do at different times and nothing stresses me out more than the introduction where I have to say hello and I always respond in a way like uh like a Rebel Wilson character would respond in a romantic comedy like something kind of off like a half realized <laughs> idea I, I I realize is bad halfway through and try to turn back. <laughs> well, hello, hello. <laughs> yeah, I'm always like and how did you know? That. This is this is definitely like an incubation. Uh, what do you what do you call those? An incubate, like not an incubation tank. What do you call that? An incubator. Duh. This is an incubator for uh, for bad bits or just or, or half half formed bits. We need to give them um, warmth and nutrition and comfort. Well, speaking of incubators and half formed bits, I would like to welcome my new niece. Elizabeth Aww. Patricia Wode into the world. Hooray! It's a, t- it's a tough world out there, mm-hmm. babe. I hope you... Uh... Well, you say that now, but wait until she turns against you in a no disqualification <laughs> match. <laughs> uh, she's a tough one, too. She came a little bit early, but she's already got all the tubes taken out, and uh, it's looking like she's going to be going home a lot sooner than her brother did. Yay! Well... The second one always gets it right faster, you know. It's uh the it's the younger sibling curse, or I guess uh, blessing. You know what they say? That's great though. Live and learn, then take all the tubes out. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have kids. Yep. <laughs> yep. That is what they say. Um, and they do a lot of saying on the uh, the episodes that we're going to go back to, but we're going to be looking at the origins of the McMahon Helmsley era or at least the first half of them in the lead up to the Royal Rumble of the year 2000 we're actually getting out of 1999 somehow we'll be back in future deep dives but uh we're getting out of it for a little bit it is amazing to me that after that ending of Armageddon where Stephanie turns on her father and sides with his mortal enemy Triple H that instead of this Raw starting with 20 minutes of talking like so many of the Raws and SmackDowns that we'll be looking at, it actually started with a match. But as that match is going on backstage, Test and Stephanie, I'm sorry, no, Triple H and Stephanie are walking hand in hand while Shane is pacing. The two find, groups find each other in the back. Shane slaps away Triple H's hand. Ask Stephanie, are you proud of what you did? Like, a lot. At this point, we also learn that Vince McMahon is rarely ever late for Raw, and I would like to know the statistics on how often he is late versus on time versus early. And is well, he more a, it, early it, than The Undertaker? <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, is like, you know, compared to The Undertaker, he, they, probably, they probably both have similar stats. They're always gunning for each other for, like, employee of the month or whatever. <laughs> but Vince always awards it to himself. Just got pictures and pictures of himself up on the wall. 
Um, but as the uh, as the title at the bottom of the WWE Network will let us know, Mr. McMahon arrives with revenge on his mind. He shows up in a limousine with a wreath on the front and comes out with a sledgehammer. I will say overall, these episodes did feel so holiday. And as I'm sure we've discussed many times before, I'm super gay for Christmas. And so Mm -hmm. I really found myself enjoying the way they were like, no, we're really leaning into this. Like attitude is all about Advent. You know what I mean? It's like a very weird (laughs) thing to be so wholesome about. Um, So I did clock the wreath as well. Yeah, no, it was a full month of of just like, and Merry Christmas to all of you. I was like, wow, nobody celebrates Christmas this much. Vince goes backstage with said sledgehammer and beats down a locker room door that clearly had the hinges removed. And then Shane... I thought it was cool, though. Still cool. It was cool. It was cool. I just was looking down. I was like, oh, no, that's just the... it's This door's been clearly gimmicked. And then Shane lets him know that she's still your daughter. Was Shane expecting Vince to uh, take the sledgehammer to Stephanie's head? That's exactly what I wondered. Does does Shane think that Vince is going to kill Stephanie? Vince goes out into the ring instead, though, calls out Triple H, that coward and racist, and ooh, did that escalate quickly. Oof. Wait, wait, uh, didn't he say rapist? Yeah, rapist. Is that what you said? Did I say... No, I... Th- did I say I racist? You, yeah, I think I think you said racist. Yeah. Well, he's that too. Yeah. Honestly, racist is, is actually more, ap- you know, accurate, com- you know, when you think of the stuff from, like, um... The, what's it called? Uh, oh my god. The, you know, back with the in... Nation the nation of domination? When, with the nation, right, mm-hmm. but... The rapist stuff, whoo, that is quite an interesting uh, take to, I mean, like, I guess in this in this world, he is a rapist? I don't know, but eh, what a weird thing to throw around. And honestly, Triple H's most racist moments are still to come. His most rapist moments, uh, Most said? racist, <laughs> racist. Okay, okay. Uh, but instead of Triple H coming out, it's Stephanie, who you now know is evil by the fact that she's wearing leather pants, much like yeah, Sandra and also B her at hair. the school fair Man. at the end of Greece. We all, we all went there, didn't we? Everyone was like, Sandy D, makeover, Sandy, Sandy, Sandy. They were like, she put out a cigarette with her stiletto. She's better shape up. Come on, we were all. This was, this was the whole time I was thinking about. And she is, of course, wearing what? Brown lisp- lipstick because it is still the 90s for a few more weeks. <laughs> She also, she also, is that considered a perm? What is that? Uh, she got, she like, she uh, curled her hair. Um, it's a very 80s, like, hair, like, um, haircut or hairstyle, I should say. But it, it definitely means, like, this girl's not that good. She's a little evil. <laughs> but Just still, the- terrible shoes, terrible shoes. Oh my God. It's like she's walking on bedposts, is what I wrote. Like, the heel. <laughs> <laughs> It's so chunky and it is so square. It is literally she's walking like a four poster bed coming to the ring. If you added, if you added a horse's body for like everything underneath Stephanie's torso and above her shoes, it would, she basically would be a centaur. Checking it out. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Like, those shoes, those shoes are hoofs. Mm-hmm. I just is, think... I guess what I'm getting at. Those shoes should really be, like, set pieces on Flora's Lava. 
They're just like big. There's a lot of landing <laughs> space, a lot of flat area. Uh, Bruce Wayne gets in those shoes to like gravity hang upside yeah. <laughs> down in his doorway. Okay, so we hate the outfit, but I love this segment. <laughs> Oh, let's talk about Steph's rationale. Well, yeah. Oh. So, so her tell me about it stud is what you going to do with that hammer, Dad? <laughs> she did it because she wasn't ready to get married, and this was clearly her only recourse when not being ready to get married. <laughs> not ready to get married? Show him by getting married. <laughs> <laughs> I love the uh, the the basically Triple H made me horny, which uh, the PG version is gave me butterflies every time he looked at me. Yeah, vagina butterflies. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So, so the like Steph being like, I didn't want to get married. Um, okay. Like, there was a lot to it, right? Because also she brings up the ministry, which I thought, okay, that was that was my, what my guess was last episode or last deep dive. Mm-hmm. No, uh, last episode Armageddon. Um, so I'm like, okay, that sort of makes sense. Um, the, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to get married. You know, you wanted me to get married and you kept pushing me. I liked Andrew. You, you were pressuring me to get married. Uh, even though I guess it was her idea to do it on SmackDown. I don't know. Um, but I did, but then the, the part about like basically how Triple H is like almost like the bad guy rebellion thing that, that felt like it made sense. The only part that didn't make sense was the, I didn't, you know, I'm not gonna get married to somebody just because you want me to get married, and I'm gonna get married to this guy instead. That part was weird, but everything else sort of checked out. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I'm with you, and I guess I sort of like did the writers a favor by like kind of like a over overextending for them. Where like I think it's just clunky. It was just clunky verbiage and i guess i filled it in in my head canon that it was like uh i didn't want to get married specifically to test that soon or whatever and something where i was like oh and i I like mapped on like a normal way parents might pressure someone to get married that's not literally about pressuring the act you know what does that make sense yeah yeah but but Uh, i I agree though i think but i'm doing a lot of mental i'm doing a lot of work on their behalf to get there yeah, yeah, I you know, it's almost like it would have been it would have been more, I think maybe it would have been a little bit a little bit uh what's the word? uh more streamlined if she had kind of said like, "Oh, you know, you wanted me to marry Tess. Tess was like Tess was the golden boy for you. You wanted me to like you wanted me to settle down with with this guy. Well, I showed you. I settled down with that guy. You know what I mean? If it wasn't if the emphasis wasn't on you wanted me to get married, but it more like you wanted me to get married to test cuz like he fit your I you know, your idea of like, you know, who I should be partnered with. So I showed you and I got married to Triple H and pretended to be knocked out? I don't get that part. But, you know, like, that made, that part, that motivation makes more sense to me, I think. And I do think we need to, to or at least I, I want to um, commend Stephanie for coming a long way with the promo, uh, the mannerisms, the inflection. She's wow. come very, very far. Very with, fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. 
I, uh, I thought yeah, this was yeah. great. I wrote like yeah. so good. And like, and again, like we're spoiled cause we've had so much Stephanie in our lives. Um, but even we miss some like really important Stephanie moments and also like matches because she also will go on her career to have to be pretty well respected in the ring. Like she's not, you know, going to be, she's not uh Charlotte, but she's also not Lana. Like she is, and she's like, you know, better than the Bella, the as good or better than the Bellas at their best when the Bellas were at their peak. Like I think Stephanie. Has, how is she? Like, how is she compared to the Belladonnas, though? <laughs> how is she to the Body Donnas? Uh, Body Donnas, damn it! Uh, um, yeah, no, I mean, look, I, I have not, I haven't seen, you know, I guess I've seen a bunch of Steph like later in life, but I, you know, this, this definitely felt a lot closer to what I've seen in, you know, more recent years, and like as I, you know, as we talked about, um, in the. Uh, I guess in maybe in Armageddon or maybe when we were talking about Test and Steph, their wedding, she's really like holding her own. And and this is like a, the next level of it. Now she's like truly being a heel and has like gets like good heat. Um, Yeah, I, I think she's been she's been doing a really, really good job. She makes she is really outshining Shane in such like a way that it's like it's embarrassing. Like it is. Yes. She, yeah. She is 100%. so gifted at this. Like she just has it. And I mean, I'm not saying she's hit. She's 100 percent every time, but she is so fuck. When she's good, she's so fucking good. No, Stephanie McMahon will go down as one of the the top talkers in WWE history. Yeah. No yeah. Um. Here. More. You know, like yeah. You just put them side by side, and it's always it's just like yes, more Stephanie. No, please, no more Shane. Stop. Like, Shane, I mean, especially early Shane is so fucking boring. It's like, it's so nice to have a different tenor to, I mean, no pun intended, but a different tenor to the to the heel work, you know? Where it's like, somebody who, you know, isn't just going to be all like machismo, but also will have bravado. And, and there, there's that, there's still that, that evilness, but in a different way. And, and she's even, a... Ooh, go ahead. And I was going to say it even with, um, with triple H who is, has proven himself very capable over the mic, over the time that we've seen him, he comes out with that, and the deal will be sealed. The sealer of the deal will be sealed. Oh boy! With a kiss. <laughs> uh, let me put the sealer on it. I'm going to seal it with a kiss. Like uh, this sounds like weird contractor talk, and you're going to charge me ten thousand for this, aren't you? Although Sorry, I, more of my contractor material. Although I did a hundred percent right at all caps. Make out in front of your dad. <laughs> but, but but then they do and they have all the passion of like a middle school production of Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> didn't he also didn't he also get like interrupted at one point so he had to say like I'm going to seal it with the sealer like he had to say that like twice. Oh, it was, so he had like it was he had like two good. two chances at this. Also the crowd man uh 90s crowds just calling a woman a slut as Ugh. a way of uh as a way of, of being like we don't like you is just it just sucks man yeah buckle up yeah <laughs> so uh, 
Wait, um, uh, the one thing I will say is this is also the, you know, the first segment we watched for this, we, we saw Triple H, but, like, this is the first time, even more so than Armageddon, that I'm like, oh, wow, Triple H got jacked all of a sudden. Like, it happened overnight, it felt like. Mm. Like, I, I don't, I didn't, I felt like he looked particularly good and particularly jacked here. Like, I, wrote, like, I was like, wow, he looks amazing. And, like, I didn't make that note elsewhere, but obviously it we just saw him the night before in our last episode. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, I guess maybe because Stephanie is so much smaller. I don't, I don't know what it is, but whatever it was. He made, uh, he made a wish. Uh, he made a wish on Zoltan. And, uh... <laughs> He's wearing the George Michael uh, suit from Arrested Development, the muscle suit <laughs> underneath his T-shirt. <laughs> his heart grew three sizes that day and... Oh, God, it's a very, very dangerous medical condition that's taken a number of wrestlers from us. So uh, Shane and Vince leave in a limo just dejected from uh, from the ownage here. Um, And then Stephanie and Triple H are just in charge now. No, uh, (laughs) no wrestling match, no contract disputes, no nothing like that. It's just like, well, we're we left because we're sad. And now you guys are running the show. Yeah. But you know, I I really like this. I, is this the introduction of like the takeover? What do you mean, Eric? Like like yeah, the the trope? Well, like like um, I okay. So in current day wrestling, you know, current day Raw or SmackDown, there's always like a you know they they always do you know these takeover stories where it's like i'm running things now and i'm going to well i get uh oh i guess i guess uh austin did yeah, a that takeover was, at one point yeah that austin was the with first Linda, that's but this is this is a bit better executed even if yes. the yeah. um even if the rationale for it makes zero sense yeah yeah i don't know it just felt more like it felt closer to the takeovers that I'm, that I think I've, I'm more used to now. Like maybe you know, like when when there would be like um, commissioners for like you know the the Raw commissioner and the SmackDown commissioner. I don't know. It felt it, there's something that felt very modern about this particular these segments. Well, it makes sense that like if Shane and, and Vince are gone, that Stephanie's like the designated survivor or whatever. I think it all goes back to when the the original this last time they had this sort of like uh, takeover storyline, where it was Linda McMahon and Shane and Stephanie and everybody had twenty five percent, but Vince's was vested or whatever. Like that made them like have that whole <laughs> four way argument that made no sense. I, so I think it kind of like comes like they all have shares, I guess. So I guess that that yeah. would be Stephanie's and now by Triple H because they're married. And I mean, I'm no contract law expert. <laughs> yeah, Bobby only specialized in tort reform. Yeah. Accident law, actually. <laughs> so now we go, we're going to have a long run of segments in which uh, Stephanie and Triple H are in charge, beginning with Xbox super giddy in a wetsuit because of pudding and there okay. oh that's what it was yeah i didn't understand i was like why is he wearing I a wetsuit had such a hard time with this and aaron the homework for this was different than a lot of them usually do because there was actually still somehow a lot of things we didn't see yeah even though there were so many things we saw and um we've curated this playlist based basically off the introduction segments and watching the punishment and the assignments and the matches be doled out but we didn't actually watch a lot of the actual matches uh, which 
is why we did not understand why Xbox was wearing a scuba suit. <laughs> yeah. The the homework for this, I think, works well as a Twitter account like Raw Without Context, where it's just like it's just like, oh, it's it's X Pac in a in a wetsuit. Okay. You know, like that it it's funny. I didn't I didn't realize that that I guess it was so everything was involved with all of the other storylines and the other matches. Uh, yeah, I mean, and we're putting together just kind of like the rundown for all of this. Um, usually I will uh, be watching the Raws and everything in the meantime. I just didn't have enough time. And so I was just kind of going off of what I saw down at the bottom and then a lot of fast forwarding and rewinding in order to like catch up. But I have uh, I, I'll be able to catch you up on the, the comeuppance and the punishments and all of that in the matches as we go through. Um, oh yeah! Oh yeah! I wasn't hoping for you to watch like you know. I, I wasn't expecting that we needed to watch three hours for each episode of the thing. You know? Th- yeah. Impossible. Thank you for making sure we didn't have to watch Mean Street Posse versus the Acolytes, which sounds like it happened a lot, <laughs> a lot, <laughs> oh so many oh times. My God. But this X Pac thing was truly felt like a scene from The Room because he's there with like a in a scuba suit with a snorkel where his dick should be, and Triple H is like, "Man, where do you come up with this stuff?" And I was like, "What? What? No." I- <laughs> Actually, yeah, where do you, you come up with this stuff? <laughs> you crazy for this one, Pac. <laughs> yeah, it really felt like a scene from The Room. Like, ha ha, are you kidding? Scuba? I was like, what is this? <laughs> but And then even <laughs> even you turn on the captions for, uh, for X-Pac for this one here, and they don't even bother. Unintelligible. That's what they say, yeah. <laughs> Indistinct. Literally, uh, Xbox does not does not know how to face a camera and doesn't like he doesn't know how to speak into any like audio equipment. Now, it's very strange. I have not read any of Xbox's books. I don't know if he has them. Um, I do know he struggled with substance abuse at some point. I don't know if this was a point in which he was, but uh, if I was going to guess, <laughs> you know what I mean. It does. He does seem <laughs> a little out of it. He did fall down into a chair during one of the episodes we watched last time like i'm just all i'm saying i'm like i'm concerned for his well-being truly at this i feel time. like i feel like if he's not dealing with substance abuse everyone around him was dealing with substance abuse just to deal with him yeah truly man <laughs> yeah uh, i mean what we really need is is x-pac with one single tear coming down as he's you know do, doing his substances with dx and we think man there's a really good guy in there <laughs> And then they'll push him uh, on the Titan Tron, and that'll be it. Ayo. <laughs> but the uh, he's in the wetsuit. There's there's going to be a pudding match later on in the night, and they're really doing their best to get their money's worth with that above ground pool that they bought for Armageddon. Oh, the bag. So they filled the bag, the bag. of pudding now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bag had water. Now the bag has pudding. Then we've got the. That's the only way. Sorry, go on. Then we got the posse there to like show their respect to the uh, to the new order there. Um, uh, then Stephanie though has it out for them, um, especially Joey Abs because of everything that they went through before. And I thought that that was nice to not like just kind of let that brush aside and and bring that in there. Yeah, one thing I've noticed in in the homework all told is that they were very good about like being like, hey, remember that things happened before this? Let's talk about those things. Like it's very, very different from the Vince Russo times mm-hmm. where, you know, like the a lot of a lot of stuff like they're like, you know, they're like a year ago. This is what was going on. Now this is what's going on. And 
it's an interesting journey and I'm going to recap it. And it's like, yes, please. This is great. Uh, but before we get to that, though, the New Age Outlaws coming back, and there's a lot of talk about ham. Yeah, there's a Road lot of Dog is so into ham. <laughs> there are deli plates throughout this series of episodes that like appear as like a what do you like a mise en scène? Is that what it yeah. the term? <laughs> exactly. Sure, sure. <laughs> or it's a meal en scène. Yeah. I just see like I just noticed the motif of deli plates showing up throughout these that it had to be a gag. The guys who'd be like, huh, deli plates. And that's why they just extended a bit about ham. Come on, that all track. First... It was it was literally like an episode of The Bachelor. This like, first one though just like this first one, Go though, on. is like half a fruit plate, half a ham plate. I think it was honeydew <laughs> and honey glazed on the same Ooh. plate. Oh, God. it sounds like you got a pop-up. Let's take that to Smorgasburg. <laughs> <laughs> so once we get past the ham, Triple H and Stephanie find Kane and Tori, who are going to be a part of this story as well. Tori is very mad about the pudding, um, but before they're able to leave, Kane is put in a triple threat match that night. Billy Gunn and Road Dog and Kane. Clearly, the New Age Outlaws double team Kane and win. I don't know exactly where these particular mind games are coming from, but I guess it's coming from the fact that X Pac was feuding with him for a while there. And also, wasn't Tori supposed to be. She was like staying with uh, X Pac? We're not there yet. Really? I thought, I thought that was the results of. Um... Is that not the result of uh, of Armageddon? Oh, okay, no, we're that, not there yet. We're not there no. yet. Yeah. Um, Triple H and Stephanie then are watching themselves in the monitor backstage, and we find out that Big Show will be put in a handicap match against Bossman and Albert. Big Show wins that one too. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, I I, I got real caught up in the whole Stephen Stephen uh, Triple H watching a monitor of themselves, watching a monitor of themselves, watching a monitor. It, it just goes into infinity. It's like putting two mirrors together. Also, didn't we just watch Big Show beat the Big Boss Man and three partners like <laughs> less than two months ago? Yeah, there is there is nothing to be gained from this particular booking, but uh, they've got six weeks to fill before Royal Rumble. Um, Stephanie then decides she's going to book a tag team title match. The New Age Outlaws are upset about this because they have already wrestled tonight, and then we find out that she wants Triple H to go against them and that Test will be his partner. And anyone who didn't see the, where this is going is a fucking idiot. I, it was yeah. clear right from the start that Test and Triple H were not on the same page. And I say that because Triple H came out and he was extremely wet. And then <laughs> Test came out bone dry. And you can't imagine <laughs> that they were coming from the same planet, let alone the same team. It was so weird to see two men who look very similar. One extremely wet and the other one <laughs> completely dry. It was a jarring visual for me and it made Tess look like he was crispy. The whole thing. I can't believe you got that this didn't hit anybody else. No. No, but I Triple love it. H was even wetter than normal. Like he looked wetter than <laughs> Roman Reigns at his wettest. Like I, it was. He almost had like 
they were uh, like uh, Medusa snakes for hair. It was just like very thick, <laughs> wet clumps. He looked like he grew poor gorilla glue all over himself. <laughs> he, I'm just telling you, it was crazy. And then Test came out with his blowout uh, in the wind, all uh, flat ironed to shit. And it just was unbelievable to see the two of them together. And I can't believe no one else um, was was hit by this. Um, I well, think I think I was dicking around on my phone just waiting for Triple H to turn on him and so I could write it down and I could move on to the next bit of, of uh homework. Yeah, I, I definitely wasn't like I was like not like, oh no, how are Triple H and, and Tess going to resolve their issues and, and come out on top? Well the <laughs> like, thing is Okay, whatever, man. At some at some point in the match they reached moisture equilibrium because Triple H got drier <laughs> and Tess got wetter, and so they kinda of Benjamin Bond <laughs> at some point. So, wow. man, I guess I should be on my phone more. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, we need this, Bobby. Yeah, you, Thank you. You went, you went, you you really, you needed the wetsuit for your deep dive there. <laughs> Triple um, H needed the wetsuit, okay. <laughs> can we talk about, can we talk about, uh, about Lawler trying so hard with that t- Stone Cold Steve Austin talking figurine and it, like, it just nothing, nothing working. <laughs> He like held the microphone to it. It's like it, it sounded like X Pac giving a promo. And and the disrespect to be doing all of this in front of Wade Boggs, <laughs> right? Yeah, friend of the pod, Wade Boggs. We've <laughs> talked about Wade Boggs on this podcast. Oh, are they friends of the pod? If we've just mentioned them before. Yep, they're in they're in the extended pod universe of uh, of of our lives. Wade Boggs, uh, Ken Shamrock is a friend of the pod. <laughs> Ken Shamrock is a confirmed friend of the pod. I know, I know. I, I wear that with pride. Uh, so the the eventual turn happens. Triple H tags himself in and immediately starts beating on tests, surprising absolutely no one. And then Stephanie feels the need to slap him for. Loving her? <laughs> she really struggled to get there with those slaps. The first few were so gentle. They were like a jade roller. It was just like, oh, waking up the collagen in your skin. But then like, it took her like three slaps to start really putting some stank on it. And then I think that's when it really hit. You could tell she like was not comfortable doing this. Uh, but my big issue with this segment and with all the other segments throughout this is that I found throughout this, they played the events of the evening like they were a grand scheme. And every single one was, no, you just lied. Like, you didn't trick anyone. <laughs> yes. It, it yes. wasn't like you had, like, a loophole in the contract or, like, a play on words yes. or some Faustian bargain. Like, it was just, you you lied. You just lied and then didn't tell the truth and then did the opposite or whatever that you promised you weren't going to do. And, like, that doesn't feel like as satisfying a conclusion in fact i guess like it's, yes. it's inherently unsatisfying as like a narrative tool um and i yeah, thought no, that was the, the the gag every week yeah no you you've summarized the whole month that they were doing um that you know that we watched for the homework because it, it's um i guess is i don't know if it's called dramatic irony or or what but like the idea was, you know, it was basically 
we're going to say something and we're not going to do it. Like they're just going to, they were like, we're going to be fair. We're just so fair. We're super fair. And then they were not fair. And, and like, also, and, and what a bad bit. It and, wasn't and, even and, like a, a trick, like, oh, your opponent will be someone. And then it ends up being like viscera. It's like your opponent will be uh, Tori and it ends up being viscera. It's like, oh, well, that's not. That's not anything. That wasn't clever. You just lie. You just change. You just flip the board over with the game, and it's okay. Like I get that's your character, but uh, well, <laughs> this was the same beat over and over again. Of like, it's not a trick. Yeah, it's, it, it's just a lie. That's different. I, yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk about this in in a later in, in one of the later um, episodes in the, in this. But there's a point where they're like, oh my god, like Triple H is so brilliant. I'm like, it's not that brilliant to just like <laughs> yeah. stack the odds. And He's I just wouldn't lying. And I wouldn't have so much of of a problem with it if it weren't for the fact that these two are now have ironclad control over the WWF. They could book a triple threat match where the New Age Outlaws and Triple H beat the shit out of Test, and Test would have no recourse because it's his job to just do whatever the match matches are that are booked. So instead, they're essentially just lying just for the hell of it. Yeah. That's it's like right. it, it just feels such like such bad cheap like you could see all the seams like of mm-hmm. like you know and that's like why it's just like they felt like they had to make a they had to make a soap opera out of it but they didn't put the work in to like the plot device you know like or like it doesn't there's no uh, there's not they they're like oh they have, they're going to be known as these like grand schemers who are going to like trick everybody but they forgot to give them tricks <laughs> so it's just like yeah, yeah they're just assholes okay like uh, they're not. But they're like to your point. They're not geniuses. This is not, and also like all the situations. Like it doesn't. It just hits different if someone is fooled into signing something, but didn't read the fine print or didn't like there was something. Uh, there was an actual uh, trick, and there's just the rest. This is just like, yeah, uh, we're gonna meet. Uh, uh, knives only, no guns, and then they just shoot you in the head. And you're like, okay, like, that's not really a good trick. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it, it's basically it's getting behind the steering wheel, you know, like like getting riding shotgun with Triple H and Stephanie, like in, behind the steering wheel, and they just like turn the wheel 180 degrees in one direction, and they go, now we're just gonna go forward, and you're like, we're not. Well, I know we're not. I can see this. <laughs> like it's very clear what you're not that you're not planning on driving forward with this. You're going. You're you're literally planning the swerve as you're swerving. Can I talk about something now that I love that they're doing? Yes. yes. Yeah. I love the addressing the full backstage. It feels yes. so Muppet Show to me. So, oh, oh, my God. Oh, you mean in the next... The next uh... Yeah, are we there? Because... Yeah, we're there. Yeah. I love okay. it. So on the December 16th episode of SmackDown, it starts with Stephanie and Triple H addressing the full backstage. And you get to see all the wrestlers in their street clothes. Oh. First of all, the- and who is sitting with whom? Like, why is why is Mick Foley sitting next to I don't know, too cool? In between, too cool. Also, <laughs> they're in like a rec room at an Episcopal church, is what it looks like. I don't understand. It was, but I loved it. I wouldn't change a fucking thing. But man, was I like really this is where you shot yeah. this it was so funny to me it looked like an elementary school cafeteria like at the end of the day when they broke all the tables down 
It was, I mean, it was it was basically it looked like a, like an AA meeting, right? Uh-huh. Where like each person has to come up and tell their story. Uh, I mean, like, honestly, a lot of overlap. Probably they probably couldn't have yeah. had an AA meeting there after that. This week, what was Crash week, Holly? Uh, so uh, what, what what was Hardcore Holly animatedly talking about? I'd love to know. This week, Viscera is responsible for the coffee and cookies. <laughs> oh no, the no bake cookies. The no bake. He's got. No bake cookies and uh, no brew coffee. It's, it's actually how it started because that weird room didn't have a kitchen, so we had to do no bake cookies because <laughs> there's no oven. <laughs> but oh, is that where they get all their catering equipment for the uh, for the the hardcore matches? But essentially, their uh, their speech boils down to everyone will be treated fair, which may or may not be another lie. And Did they have their fingers crossed behind their back? <laughs> and the McMahon-Helmsley era has begun. Wow. Yeah, it, it literally looked like Triple H was forming a union. Like, he's like, we're all going to be fair. We're going to do this. And I was like, oh, I guess I guess none of that. So we go. this was awesome. It, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, we loved all this, but I think that the, like the, I know, again, the bait and switch is going to be exhausting. But he there was a little bit of like, uh, work shoot in there, you know, in terms of like people feeling like they haven't had a chance and giving them chances. And we do see that throughout this where like in a very meta, real analytical way, this this did give a lot of shine to a ton of the roster. Um, so yeah. there, there was like it that all still really worked because there it was ground. There was truth that it was like based in. Um, I really like that. And the McMahon Holmes era, I mean, I guess I guess in hindsight, it's easy to like for it to feel iconic. Uh, but it did just like seeing them raise their hands and seeing them declare it. Like it was like, Holy shit, this is like a sea change. It, it felt, I don't know. It felt earned. I don't remember if it was this one or the next time that there's a meeting, but like there's one, there's some point, I think it was like when, um, when they were announcing uh, matches and just like before they left the meeting, you just see like Val Venus and he just like has his face like you, you didn't even mention me. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not on the card at all. But we do go backstage where Triple H announces that he doesn't know what any woman is going to do. Um, Man, brother, um, we've, been, we've all been there, right? What, what a fucking ugh. Terrible. Meanwhile, Stephanie is headed to ringside to check out uh, Kurt Angle versus Tess. So one of the storylines that's played out throughout is Kurt Angle is in the midst of an undefeated streak in WWF. And Stephanie it has some interest in that. Well, one thing I really like uh, from around this this point is that I really like that Steph has been like challenging Triple H. So, you know, it really is like, you know, this could have easily just been, oh, I married Triple H and then just Triple H calls all the shots and like it, you know, but this, this definitely feels like there's more of, of Stephanie's presence. Like she's really, you know, holding her own in the partnership. So I I was, I was into that. Huh. I guess (laughs) I never appreciated that. You're a hundred percent right. And like in retrospect, it makes a lot of sense. And that has been like a really key component to their characters forever or for as like a lot of the times that we've been watching um i think 
you could also see that with China too, and Triple H sort of like being a real like treating you know, uh, instrumental in getting China to be recognized and treated uh, like any other superstar. So I wonder, like, uh, it does make me wonder how much of Paul uh, that is behind that, or if he just happened to find himself in that position twice. Yeah, or you know, you know, maybe he. It's just one of those things where you know he's. Uh he's receptive to it, you know, yeah. and doesn't just doesn't shut it down. Right. Yeah. They, I wonder if like, it's purposeful because I think like even without the, uh, obvious stuff, but I think it's also considering what a keen mind he has for the industry, especially at this point, the amount of complex layered, um, female characters is so minimal. Um, and associating him with anyone that stand out has certainly done wonders to elevate his star, um, both China and Stephanie. Right. Also, you know, we've already had a ton of Triple H. We've seen Triple H be the heel. So having a different flavor of Triple H as a heel where it gets spelled by another heel helps, I think. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it, you know, it feels like it's a, a new thing rather than just a different spin on an old thing. What I like a lot less than that is they drink so much champagne during these episodes i know about you guys i can have a glass of champagne before i'm like done no i don't need to drink any more of you it makes me feel so bloated first of all also i'm pretty sure with triple h it was sparkling apple cider right it's like it's like what my dad drinks because like he just he can't have any alcohol with his like medication or something like like, doesn't he like doesn't uh triple h work clean i believe so yeah Right. You said he was like no drugs, no drink. Like he always drinks water. I figured he it was probably some kind of like bubbly seltzer or like uh also though apple juice. I can drink maybe because I'm more gay and whimsical than y'all, but I can I can just drink Prosecco nonstop. Just keep it going. Uh bubbles don't slow me down. Well uh yeah. Respect to you, my friend. Not a I'm not a one and done uh champagne kind of gal. I'm uh keep it coming. Well, it sounds like you would be a prime candidate for the uh, a key position in the McMahon-Helmsley era. Sign me up. So we get the match between Kurt and Test, which ends with uh, T- DX attacking Test after the match. Paramedics again Huge need surprise. to do extensive rubbing. And <laughs> yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's, it is so funny to me that part of Test's bit right now is the guy who gets his nose broken a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the Marsha Brady of the WWF. Uh, I also want to point out that, like, at one point when he's on the stretcher, they're just like they've just like got the sphygmometer like wrapped around his arm. Like they're just taking his blood pressure, sort of, or they're not even taking his blood pressure. I think they just wrapped the collar around his arm, and that was it. Like they're like, okay, we need some things. Get me put a stethoscope on his chest. Put the uh, wrap the collar around his arm. Good, good. <laughs> like well, he had his nose broken you don't, you don't need his blood pressure yeah it's like why is the attraction <laughs> <laughs> right they're making a, a, a full nose cast for him they just know all the stuff that they know from tv well his nose is broken so i need to put these things in my ears and listen to his heartbeat meanwhile briscoe and patterson are put into a match for the tag titles for caring about tests Mm. I enjoyed this. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, they're they're 
they're fine. They're, I mean, like they're always fun. I thought the match was fun. I thought the match was very fun. Uh, I was a little like I was worried about it, but I thought I liked the hot start that it had. I liked the way that they like uh, brought their weapons to kind of give themselves an early advantage, so they stood some kind of chance. Uh, and I don't think we see enough no DQ like tornado tag with pinfall kind of matches. I feel like it's, these days it's a lot of for tag matches. You understand, like it makes sense why in terms of like match pacing and like the storytelling of it, why like a tables or a ladder kind of stipulation makes sense with that kind of thing or a TLC match with things overhead or something else that's not a pinfall um, in a no DQ with no tags. I don't know. It just just seems like a fun kind of match you don't see enough anymore. The Texas Tornado Tag, if you will. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And then in order to beat up two old man, Road Dog needs brass knuckles, an instrument of murder, in order to take (laughs) them out for good. Um, A bunch of stuff before that match, though. First, oh, sorry. Uh, no, no worries. <laughs> I've got, I got it all. I got, I got so many notes, you guys. I got the best notes. Um, Tori comes backstage demanding the end of her humiliation, to which Stephanie books herself against Tori. Uh, and oh, I- but is it? Is she going to? Nah, probably not. <laughs> Meanwhile, I tricked you by lying. <laughs> sorry, go on. Meanwhile, the posse are totally simping themselves out for uh, Stephanie and Triple H which I thought is pretty funny. Um, by the way, at some point, there's a tea set at the, on the top of the television. I'm like, wait a minute. Are they having champagne and, uh, and tea? Like spots of tea? Um, so Tori comes out. Kane is watching the monitor backstage, at which point the posse attack Kane. Um... Would the posse uh, have not been able to attack if um, if Tori was there? Is this whole thing was to get Tori there and then, no, wait, it's Tori versus X-Pac? X-Pac wins that match quickly. Okay. And then Kane just comes in and carries her away like uh, the big monster that he is. So, wait, there was a real X-Pac and Tori match? Yes, did it? Uh, did she put up? Did she get to get any offense or no? What? Did he just like spin kick her in the head and then pin her? Yes. Yikes. Um, Yikes. but Ken, since Kane is still able to walk, the posse has to fight the acolytes again. There's also a Mankind versus Al Snow match in there that seems like it would have been a lot more fun, but not part of this homework here. Um, before we get to the, uh, the Briscoe and Patterson match, that's when Lillian Garcia is interviewing Jr., who says he's embarrassed for the McMahon family and then says that Stephanie rhymes with a witch and starts with a B. So it's like, you could say it. Wib? <laughs> a wib? Um, Triple H comes out and says, I've done stuff to you before. Which sounds oddly sexual. <laughs> yeah, it, it it very it sounds very much like there's like some sort of spotlight comeuppance happening, like and, spotlight the movie. I mean, and then Stephanie slaps him. Um, and then the last thing, uh, did you guys catch Terry talking to Santa Claus? Yes, thank you for including that homework. Yeah. I'm so glad I watched it. I thought that was great. Okay, Terry Christmas. 
Uh, it's by the way, it's December sixteenth. Uh, <laughs> What's that? Sixteenth. I was agreeing with you. Right, right. It's a it's a full like uh, nine days before Santa even has to make an appearance, and Terry's Terry's all about it. Terry's gonna finish that champagne and pass out long before then, so she's getting her <laughs> Terry Christmases in now. <laughs> And then for the main event for this one, we've got Rock versus The Big Show. It's a Lumberjack match. Um, the Lumberjacks have been given orders to just beat the shit out of The Rock and The Big Show any opportunity that they can. Stephanie- I think that's the way all Lumberjack matches should be. I feel like Could the idea of a Lumberjack match, right? Like the idea of a Lumberjack match where they're like, it's a Lumberjack match. If you get out of the ring, they put you in the ring. And I'm like, what does that mean? Is that like bumper bowling? Like who cares? <laughs> But like, if you get out of the ring, then you get fucked up by some people. Is like, that's a that's another way to play the strategy. Like, okay, keep throwing him out of the ring. Let the let the other guys do some work for you. You're right, Eric. And lumberjack matches tend to play out that way every single time, but with very little um, reasoning behind it. Right. They should just call it a pre schmaz. <laughs> Mankind decides, though, to help out, comes in with a whole bunch of weapons. Triple I H could, and Stephanie are not happy. I could watch Mankind hit people over the head with that trash can truly forever, just over and over and over. I think he hit 30 <laughs> people a with loop. a trash can just over and over. And usually I hate a trash can spot because they look like they're made of actual tinfoil. But this was – it was so – it was like um like bubble wrap. It just was so satisfying each time you, like, bopped them on the head. I, I loved it. I loved it so much. I rewound it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, mankind just running in with, a, with like, a cart full of toys is always fun. Mm-hmm. Like, cast, cast McFoley on supermarket uh, sweep, you know what I mean? Just have him go through and just, like, come shooting through with a bunch of cereal that he's going to smack, you know, Leslie Jones over the head with or something. And then it ends with uh, the Rock people elbowing Viscera and Triple H being very, very mad about it. Yeah, after a while, I was like, wait, what is happening now? But then I was like, I don't care. I'm having so much fun. <laughs> like, I was having so much fun with this one. I, was, I just thought it was great. I was like, I was marking out. I was like applauding. I loved the rock bottom of the big show. I loved the rock bottom of Viscera. And then I was like, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And everyone got so excited. Uh, I'm not yet tired of the people's elbow yet. No, 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 definitely not. And there's going to be a lot, and there has been a lot of things that happen where the rock doesn't win his match. So it's always interesting to me to see how they're going to fit the people's elbow in because the the people are going to get what they want so we go to december 20th and it's officially now i guess the holiday season or at least the official holiday episode the posse is wearing tuxedos we're told it's a very raw christmas show Steph still has terrible shoes, really bad shoes once again. Literally, my note here is Steph is wearing clonks. That's what I'm going to call them. Those are the kind of shoes, (laughs) (laughs) kind of like stonks. This is clonks. She's wearing clonks. And I don't understand the Santa hat that has the long string attached to the palm that's usually affixed just to the top of the hat. Ah, just me. Well, no. So you can it's so you can pull it back out when it's in the vagina. It's, it's, it's a... <laughs> it looks like a cat um, toy to me. 
what what was what was Stefan and Triple H's motivation in their programming? I don't know if I fully get it. They were just like, we're going to just make people do things. And I, I wasn't really sure if I fully understood it. Yeah, it felt like they were going for a lot of um, Gift of the Magi things almost. But then like, it never <laughs> had the payoff. It was like, Mula, your beautiful hair. You know. <laughs> I'm like, what? What? Yeah, but it did feel like it was like presenting it in the form of a gift, but it, the gift was bad. It was like uh, the whole thing is I'm going to give everybody Christmas presents, except the presents I'm going to punch them in the face. And you're like, well, that's not a fun bit. <laughs> like I don't. And the first yeah, like, one. J- what were you going to say? No, you go ahead, Eric. Oh, I was just I was going to say it's it's like uh, again, like give us give us your rationale. Like I understand that in Skeletor's world when he gives you a present, it's going to explode, but that's because like he's an evil world, you know? That's fun. Like I don't get what the what the what what they're going for here. Well, the first gift to get a uh, punch in their fucking face is Test, who looks like a fucking dork with his plastic mask and a handicap match against the New Age Outlaws. Before before we move into that, can I just point out, by the way, that Pete Gass was doing the most background work during that scene. Like, if you rewatch and go back, Pete Gass is just like his. He's just like, oh, whoa, and like just trying his damnedest to you know steal that scene away from everybody else that was in the foreground. I I don't like Pete Gass. I, I think this will come as a shock to, to nobody. But I think Pete Gass is at least aware that this is kind of going to be like the only thing for him. Yeah. And it's 100%. not and it's not going to last that long. And so he's just got to kind of milk it for as much as he can get out of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's he's you know they often say i'm just happy to be here he is truly just happy to be there like he's like he's just so happy not to be framed out the way that uh who's who uh, rodney is like you know rodney unfortunately one of the other one of the other wrestlers was just too tall but like pete gas is like somehow still in there <laughs> Uh, and so again, Tess gets his nose broken, which is a very fun game that we will see again and again and again. Um, and then Steph gives a, a little Merry Christmas test, followed by her best villain laugh. <laughs> she twirls her mustache. Kurt, meanwhile, is backstage. Steph has been very impressed with him. Trips is not is not impressed at all. And we get Kurt versus Viscera. Oh yeah, bring out your best guy against Kurt Angle. <laughs> Wait, he be, he beat Midian and Viscera. Well, we don't we can't do anything about this. The undefeated Kurt Angle versus the exclusively defeated Viscera. <laughs> He's lost when he's in the, the the ministry. He's lost with his uh, his struggle with diabetes. Oh my god! They're also they also book a match between uh, Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy, in which Jeff hits a four fifty splash on Matt to win, and then Matt's pretty much beaten up afterwards. Triple H's response to this is they're going to stop being brothers and be sisters. <laughs> Good one. 
May and Moolah, meanwhile, stop by. They've been friends with the McMahon for generations. Um, and Triple H first teases that he's going to give a bottle of booze to them, then pulls it away, and instead, guess what? They're put in a match. Okay, this is dumb. It's not good. However, the way May Young reached for that bottle and then like recoiled back when he took it away was so fucking funny and i implore you both to please go back and watch it again because she reacts like like animal from the muppets it was so (laughs) it was real i clocked it it too it's good (laughs) it felt real you feel like she was drawing from a real place with that (laughs) yeah i think there was a real bottle of booze there and she legitimately wanted it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll find a little bit more about what's going on with may and moolah in another deep dive coming up oh no i already know from the uh, from the chapter headers meanwhile triple h and stephanie decide they're going to badmouth entertainment weekly which made me ponder <laughs> the fact that <laughs> Made me ponder the fact that there was a magazine called Entertainment Weekly that was delivered to your house once a week if you were a subscriber to it. A, a baffling thing that I could barely wrap my mind around in 2021. Okay, I mean that was like that was still pretty recent. Like I feel like I the last Entertainment Weekly I remember purchasing um, was <laughs> what Hunger Games was happening. <laughs> And I wanted to get the exclusive story about the Hunger Games movie and what was happening with it because I had read the books. And as you know, I famously don't read books and I really liked them. Uh, I wasn't weird about it, but I did. uh, It was weird enough to go out of my way to buy an Entertainment Weekly in hardcover, like paper, (laughs) glossy. Yeah, the the hardcover Entertainment Weekly that comes out on Monday. You got to wait for Thursday for the softcover ones to come out. I had to get my trade paperback and the collection every month. Uh, I wish they switch up the Titantron pictures to an okay picture of Stephanie looking evil, but a picture of Triple H just looking dumb. I thought that was funny. I loved I loved it. I love those pictures being up there. Me too. They're incredibly hateable pictures, I think. I didn't need the are you ready sound cue <laughs> just to so... switch up some pictures. That was really embarrassing. I think that was a part that they would probably look back and regret. <laughs> Um, and so they're in there with JR, and Triple H gets down behind him on his hands and knees, and Stephanie pushes him over like it's fourth grade again. It's so funny how, like, th- there's a real, you know, like, I w- this is the moment where I was like, oh, wow, we've really, we've really had an evolution, right? We started with, you know, JR taking the stunner, uh, like, I guess, at, what, two years ago? Mm-hmm. And now we're just like, Fuck you, Jr. I'm gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna fucking swirly you, you little fucking nerd. Hmm. Um, but then, as always, it gets better when Mick Foley gets there. And man, I never realized it before, but but Mick Foley is just the king of cheap heat, and just always knows to mention the place that they're in, and always gets a pop off of it. Yeah, it's very similar to the way The Rock does it, right? He's like, I'm in Houston, Texas, and everyone's like, Oh, that's where we are! <laughs> oh my god, me too! We're in this fucking place! 
But he lets him know that he thinks the McMahon-Helmsley era kind of sucks. Stephanie, though, he refers to as a ho-ho-ho, but not that type. Yeah, not my favorite choice, Mick. Nah. Nah, nah, nah. Uh, But we find out that Mick will be in a boiler room match tonight. Uh, Well, I will say, I will say before we get there, um, Mick had a, I don't know, he had a fucking fire line when I think he, I think he had called uh, Stephanie a hoe and then like Triple H was trying to get at him and Stephanie was, was like getting in the way and Mick goes, is she really holding you back? That was was so good. It was really that is so good. fucking funny. That is, oh my god, it's so fucking shoot. It's great. I mm-hmm. love it. Ah. Oh, was this a wait? There was a. Um. Oh, it's later on that we get the. Okay, so yeah, you're talking about the. I, I have one note about another. Uh, brilliant tactic from Triple H, but I think that comes later. So if you want to move on to the announcement of the boiler room. I'm on pins and needles. Before that happened, Kurt beat Viscera with an assist by Steve Blackman. What? Um, Yeah. That's that's been the story, is Kurt continues his undefeated streak, but Steve Blackman is usually involved in some way. Okay, but what does Viscera's win-loss record look like now? (laughs) My Google just tried to answer. Sorry, <laughs> I asked my Google. Went, I don't know. Like even my Google was like, "Mister, no window matches." <laughs> um, Mula and Mae Young versus the Dudleys and Acolytes. We'll wait until later, but we learn that it will be Mankind versus Santa in the boiler room, and I love that Mankind's love of Santa is canon. Like if you read his book, you heard about all the trips to Santa's village. <laughs> um so the posse attacked mankind throw him in the boiler room there are a whole bunch of santas in there but finally triple h santa uh hits him with a glass picture frame that looked fucking dope um and he winds up winning and gets out of there and he wished him a merry suck it or something yeah that's what he did um okay uh, so, whatever the the note I have came earlier than than my Mick versus Santa. There was some point where Triple H says, "I'm going to book you in a match," and he goes, "I won't tell you who it's with." Was that? Do you remember yeah, when this happened? No, that was the Boiler Room match. Oh, and then oh, and then it turns out it's Santa. Mm-hmm. Okay, um. I really fucking hate the, I'm going to book you in a match and I'm not going to tell you, like, it's going to be a surprise. Like, okay. Like, what does that mean? So, you know, like, I don't, I don't, I just don't get like how any of that is uh strategy or interesting or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it just feels like, like I'm going to hurt you and I'm not going to tell you when. All right. I guess the only thing is it's building a little bit of tension for the audience and not so much tension for the wrestler. We're wondering who the match is going to be against. And so, yes, a hundred percent. So it makes sense from a storytelling perspective for us, but doesn't make sense in world as a storytelling tactic. 
But isn't it also... Yeah, exactly. Isn't it also they're just they're punishing people who have wronged them in the past? Mm-hmm. And though some of the wrongs... Yeah. Some of the wrongs are hard sells, like being nice to them or loving them. <laughs> it seems like they get punished, but it feels like that it's almost like, you know, when you uh, take over... You know, in like you know, uh, ancient times, you know, and then you like pillage, and then you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like what they're doing is like just abusing the power and abusing like the last people you, you know, the, the last people in charge, and like the last. So that's sort of like grinding them down, like by their whims. Like, go out there, who are you wrestling? Oh. You'll find out. It's sort of like little by little grinding them down. Yeah, I guess I I, I think you know I. That's a fair enough thing, but I think like. What Aaron kind of uh, what Aaron pointed out, or what the way Aaron explained it is kind of like what I'm getting at, which is, and and this isn't just in wrestling. I'll I'll say I, there's there's some stuff I've been watching lately that I think is guilty of the same thing. Where the it's Dick like, Van Dyke Show, the Britney yes. Spears documentary, <laughs> exactly. But no, there's there's you know like one of my least favorite things in in writing in media is when. Um, Something is done and you know that that thing is being done for for one very specific purpose, but like it 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 comes up really short within like the um I don't know what what would you call it the heuristic or uh uh the phenomenology of the world. You know what I mean? So like in the war, you know, like yes, of course, of course, wrestling loves a fucking swerve. So why am I not telling you? Because you better fucking find out, you idiots. Keep, you know, don't turn that channel. But like in the world of in this world, like some of these choices are just kind of like, all right, you, you know, like this doesn't this doesn't change much for me. It doesn't you know like you haven't added any extra punishment to me by saying, "Well, I won't tell you." I mean, I guess I I understand what what you're saying, Bobby, where it's like you know, maybe it's a little bit extra punishment that you you can't even mentally psych yourself up, but like I don't know. These guys don't know who they're facing every fucking week, you know, mm. like according to yeah, it's, according it's, to the rules of the world. It's the equivalent of like the James Bond villain, I assume, uh, saying like their <laughs> whole plan as he's like strapped before the laser or whatever that I know via pop culture osmosis. You know what I mean? Like the villain's sociopathic need to, to describe in detail what their whole plan was. That would never there's no reason why they would do that in real life, but it's for the benefit of the audience. It's sort of like a similar uh, it's a little bit of that. I'm willing to suspend disbelief for that because it's like gloating and it's like, you know, now that I know I've killed you, let me just tell you how great I am. You know, like, like it's not almost like um, it's, you know, to go on a little tangent, almost like, uh, you know, if I pull this off, but like nobody knows how fucking brilliant I was and how how amazing all the dominoes were set up, then I don't really get the the pleasure out of doing it. You know what I mean? Like I need to be oh, able yeah. to brag about this to somebody. So I get that a little bit more with 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 uh, with the the Bond villain thing. It is silly, and every every satire is right to point out how ridiculous it is. But I still buy that more than I buy this. Here's here's the other thing though that I think needs to be said as well. We are now um, after this next segment halfway through an episode of Raw. And every single story 
every single match, every single interaction is going through the lens of Stephanie and Triple H. And so in order just to have some kind of variety, they need to introduce some different storytelling elements in there as well. And that part's cool. I like that part. You know, sometimes it's a little bit thin but you know this really makes me miss that and we talk, i think we've talked about that with a few other things too like this you know they don't really do this anymore where you come back to the same story this many times in mm-hmm. an evening or a story that affects so many of the wrestlers at once the only time they do is around survivor series and everyone complains that it's for the dumbest reasons um and i similarly think, like, um... yeah you're missing like a whole world thing and I think um, in the build to WrestleMania in 2000, they're going to get a little bit too indulgent with it, and it go- winds up going a little bit too far. But I-, I like what we're seeing at this point here. Is this sort of like a Crisis on Infinite Earths, like, uh, you know, in-world event, the McMahon-Helmsley era? You know, yeah. uh, man this is funny you say that i feel like i literally was just you know thinking the other night as i was like fantasy booking um wwe in my head that like what really wwe needs to do is like take lessons from things like anime and comic books and manga and all the kinds of like store the way they do that with teams and crossovers and all there's like so much like storytelling stuff they do in events that they should take lessons from and bring into wrestling um and it would make the product so much cooler Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they're already taking the costumes. I mean, how many fucking wrestlers are basically like outfitted to look like uh, Hawkeye and Iron Man and every fucking other, you know, plus Avenger? Like wrestling is at Comic Cons. You go to any Comic Con, I mean, what well, I, I say any, but I, if you go to New York Comic Con or Flame Con, the two Comic Cons I go to, uh, wrestling has like a presence there. So, like, the, there is a lot of overlap in that audience. Like, I guarantee you, out of any WWE audience at any given moment, 90% have seen a Marvel film, if not mm-hmm. higher. Um, so, like, understand, like, how to do arcs, how to do series, how to, like, do things like that, that'll, you know, that you can bring in those elements. And I think we, when you glimpse that, like, here, it really sees, like, what the potential could be when you devote that space to it. Right. Have Edge and Christian uh, bring in, you know, an NXT character in their prank show. And then it's like, oh, shit, they got the NXT rights. And <laughs> sorry, that's a WandaVision joke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, for the sake of time, I'm just going to run through uh, the next little bit until we get to the main event, which I think was actually a really good main event here. Um, Triple H sets up a strip over the rope top match, which ends with uh, BB stripping behind <laughs> Triple H's jacket when Hardcore Holly wins. DX attacks The Rock during the Brahma bull rope match between him and Al Snow. Uh, Rodney spills flower water over Triple H and Steph because they were all over my new shoes. (laughs) She says all over my new shoes. I'm like, they did you a favor, bitch. (laughs) And prior to the main event, we learned that Kane versus the Big Show will be for the championship. But if Kane loses... Tori has to stay with Xbox over the holiday season. So much sex trafficking. What is going? Why? Why is this again? What is this the third time we've seen this? The fourth time? 
maybe maybe they just need somebody to be Xbox like uh like steward like they're like look we can't leave him alone we don't know what he's gonna get up to can you just like check in on Xbox over the next couple of days he gets real sad this time yeah, of year he gets really dark on the holidays and we don't want a little <laughs> going on <laughs> um so the main event Kane versus the Big Show I think is the Kane versus the Big Show match that I've been waiting to see. This yeah. whole time. Yeah. Um, they fucking go ham on each other. It's a part where Kane launches the big show over the barricade. This is some of Kane, Kane had a really good enziguri. Sorry, what were you going to say? I was like, this is some of Kane's best work. Like, we're really seeing Kane come into his own, like, as an in-ring performer. I mean, you saw that leap off the cage, uh, I think, in the last episode. Uh, or the one before. But in one of our recent episodes, we talked about that. Um, just some of the physicality he's able to do. He's a lot more like the the, his, the agility he brings to things uh, at this point is really cool. Because I think we're very used to seeing him now, which is very different. But this is like some really good Kane stuff. But it ends. And with... it's very. It, it's also very different from when he was like fake Diesel at the end of the Royal Rumble back in what ninety seven or whatever. And I think he still kind of sucked then. Or when he was even like a um, Red Undertaker, essentially his game, you know, mm-hmm. like doing the same moveset. Right. I think he's sort of you can tell. I, th- I think his, uh, you know, his body's changed. I think he like looks in better shape. Uh, he's got that sexy mesh window now. You can check out check out his <laughs> uh, sexy cane titties. And then uh, I think that you you would see him, you know, his his athleticism, his like leaping ability and stuff. Um, it's fun. I think he. Uh, I like the way his 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 moveset is evolving. Yeah. This match ends with a power bombing of Kane through the announce table, and Tori is dragged away screaming. Triple H announces, We hope you have a very raw Christmas, except there's another episode of SmackDown before Christmas. So they've kind of shot their wad on that one. That episode of SmackDown, again, starts again with the locker room address, but this time it's Mick Foley talking about the McMahon-Helmsley error. Now, see, I really thought this meeting could have been an email. (laughs) (laughs) Ha! Although, you know what? Just just for Mick to be able to say, do we really need to see the Mean Street Posse seven times in one evening? I was like, holy shit, Mick. Finger on the pulse. No, I was like, that's so funny. Do Midian next. Do Midian next. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to report yet another fucking murder in the fucking, in the WWF. After. Hide that footage. And did you guys notice after Mick said that line about the posse, Viscera flips Joey Ab's ponytail? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh man, even Viscera is dunking on us now. Stephanie walks in wondering, what the hell are you doing? We learned that <laughs> Steph- Stephanie's biggest mistake was listening to Triple H. Wait, this is where on her entrance I just wrote, this whole wrestler court's out of order. <laughs> <laughs> she came in, she's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What is this? This whole wrestler court's out of order. <laughs> I don't, I remember watching this and not believing her. Are we supposed to believe that Stephanie has changed here? Or does this just go back to Bobby's whole point that these are not grand schemes. These are not machinations. These are just lies. 
Yeah, it's just lying because they don't actually like, like you said, they're like overly complicated. Like you don't have to trick uh, these folks into like having this match with Triple H in a cage. You could just make them have a match and not have to put Triple H in danger at all. Like that's the sort of uh, weakness in your plan. <laughs> like you're adding unnecessary risk to your plan. So it just seems like it, it's just a lie. It would just was like, haha, we just were kidding. But oh, well, like we still did it. Like what? Huh? Like it was very strange. Stephanie failed scheme school at, at whatever fucking uh, boarding program that she was sent away to for growing up in Greenwich. She went to Eaton. So backstage, DX is scheming, according to the titles again, in order to get out of all of their matches. Billy Gunn is wearing a combination baseball cap elf hat that is just so Billy Gunn matching the choker that he's still clinging to. So does Billy I'm an Gunn, elf, man. Does Billy Gunn buy these clothes, or do you <laughs> think he just sort of finds them along the road as he travels? <laughs> because some of the stuff, I'm like, what? Like, what? Uh, there's uh, the next week, there's some, there's some notable stuff. But the choker, like, nothing really quite makes sense. I think he really only has, he can only afford to get, like, different colors of his little spanky pants with the kisses on them, and that's it. And everything else he has to kind of, like, uh, freaking, like, dumpster dive for. <laughs> Yeah, he definitely has the lowest ring gear budget of all the wrestlers. Mm. Well, I mean, I think Road Dog's pants are actual iron-on, so I'm not sure. Because <laughs> I think he's up the night before the La Quinta, just, like, trying to... How do you spell no, that? Look, How many D's that... in Road Dog? Ro- Road Dog? Road Dog, what he does is he has more money, but he just moves all of it over to his ham diet. He spends all of it on on pork products, and is like, I can get by with this. This is fine. It's just a bunch of bucket hats full of ham. (laughs) (laughs) Stephanie goes to find Kane, tells him that that he can have X-Pac on Monday, but tonight that she needs Kane's protection. Um, Really goes into some unnecessarily graphic detail about what may or may not be happening with X-Pac right now but says that she needs to be protected from Triple H tonight because what it, he, she doesn't know what he's going to do. Tess, meanwhile, doesn't buy what Stephanie is selling, but then winds up beating Road Dog and attempts to beat the shit out of him with a chair, but the refs all hold him back. Are they really holding you back, Tess? <laughs> Meanwhile, Triple H goes to talk to Stephanie. Oh, my favorite, my favorite fucking line. I cannot wait. Um, well, before I, I know the line you're talking about, she goes, <laughs> she goes, I wonder who that could be. Come in. And then <laughs> Triple H is saying, you can't put me in a cage. And Stephanie's response to this is basically, look. The sex with you is great. No, it okay, let's let's the you're not giving that reading the proper respect it's due. She goes, "Look, the sex with you is great." <laughs> like what it's literally like like we had so much sex and then we had a baby and then the baby <laughs> looked at us. Listen, everyone, grab your lover tonight and tell them the sex with you is great. 
This right now, what we're having is some great sex. Grade A primo sex right now. But Stephanie gets the cops to ensure that Triple H will be getting in that cage tonight. Why they need to go through all of this is anyone knows. Why? (laughs) Go ahead. Not cops job. Not the job of cops. Why would would cops do this? That was my like, why are the cops? Why are these cops kidnapping Triple H? I don't understand. Actually, no, that that, that does make sense with what cops do. True, 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 true. No, they put them in their own cage. They they have their own cage that they hang them over. Also, he's like, a white guy. <laughs> just like that's not how that works, right? Right. They're like, well, your boss ordered you into this cage, suspended fifteen feet in the air. We're gonna put you in the cage. This is part of. This is what uh, Prop Twenty Two in California states. Meanwhile, Al Snow is mad that he doesn't get a championship match tonight and actually gives some very good justification on why it should be him. But we learn that if Al beats The Rock, then he will get a title shot on Monday. He does not beat The Rock. Um, Also, Kane beats down Mr. Ass and Road Dog during the match. Uh, It starts with just Kane versus Mr. Ass, then Road Dog gets involved. Road Dog tells Kane where Tori is. Says that she's at the Marriott by the airport. Sounds right. That tracks. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Well, those lines you can tell because there's a little bit of truth in it. That's why it works. <laughs> uh, Stephanie escorts Triple H. Triple H gets into the cage. Um, we get, and we get a very cool match between Mankind and the Big Show. I hate Big Show's large and in charge shirt. I was like, how dare you? First of all, what? You can't, is that allowed? Is that trademarked by like a, you know, visualized world piece kind of thing? Just like the, the silhouette of him with his hand in the air, like, it's just the funniest fucking thing. Also, it happened in this match, and I think others as well, but I love the fact that Big Show is so idiotic that he will over and over again walk up to his opponents holding steel steps directly in front of his face so he can't see anything happening. (laughs) He just holds him in front of his face and just walks forward, and without fail, you know what he walks right into? A fucking dropkick. Every time. Every time. Every time. Why? Why is he he's with Kane and have it with Mankind here? It's like, why? Put him down, buddy. Look over the stairs. I I love how I, I noted how when Big Show, when when uh, Hunter is in the cage, Big Show comes up and I was like, is this how Big Show acts in zoos? Like he's just banging on the bars like, hey, you can't get out. Eventually, the cage comes down. The whole locker room basically comes out to to attack. It's so unnecessary, unnecessarily confusing. Yep. Triple H hides behind Stephanie, then kicks Mick, and then Triple H attacks. DX comes out, and they're all kissy kissy. So Steph was trying to help him unlock the cage, or was she trying to stop him from unlocking the cage? I couldn't figure that out. I mean, obviously at the Neither end it they. looks like she. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Just so much swerving. 
Yeah, I want to get beyond this because the um, December 27th episode oh, wait, wait. of Raw. Yeah. A yeah. couple quick things on this before we wrap mm-hmm. on the 23rd. Um, I love the, the chair shot Mick gave to Big Show while standing on the table. Where yes. He, like, over left yes. and over his head like a fucking toilet seat. Loved it. Bravo. I th- I th- yeah, I thought it was a chair. T- I called it a chair tie. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. chef's kiss. And I did really like the ending, the we've got two words for you, Merry Christmas. I thought that was really well done. I actually thought that did taste good. I was like, oh, that, that left like a nice little taste in my mouth afterwards. I thought it was a uh, mm-hmm. a good sign off on the show. I uh, I wanted to point out that the boot of the week had no fucking boots. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever, man. It was like a slap. Okay. Well, it, why'd you show all that boot, all the boots? Um. Now can I go to uh, 1227? Yes, please. Sure. Because, yeah. oh my God, is this not the high point of this entire program? Yeah, we really went, we finally got somewhere. Mm-hmm. Wow. So this it starts is... out with quite a collection of outfits. They did not <laughs> have a chance to call each other the night before to plan what they were wearing in the ring. <laughs> they all showed up to incredibly different parties. No two look alike. We're of course First, talking about DX. Are we just talking yes. again? Kind of, okay. Yes. Yes. I, yes. I, yes. I, I, Road Dog. Road Dog looks like Jamiroquai. <laughs> Road Dog is in athleisure. Okay. <laughs> Stephanie is wearing a baby pink like cardigan. Like all, she's just like Linda McMahon all of a sudden. Well, um, no. Triple H, <laughs> Triple H no. I think uh, I think uh, Sandra D was finally accepted into the Pink Ladies. Yes, my God, yes, because it was all black with that pink cardigan. But then, but also, it's sort of like if we did a uh, like a reboot of Grease, and it's like adult Sandy D, and she's like in mm-hmm. her sixties now and a grandma. Anyway, <laughs> it was like that. Uh, X Pac, you know, is in his wrestling gear and a bucket hat, obviously. Uh, and then, of course, Triple H, just like a leather daddy, just like always, and Billy, Billy has got a pastel blue t-shirt that he is sort of like um summer camp like twisted and tied to show his midriff <laughs> yep what the awesome. actual fuck they can't i was like what the fuck happened here <laughs> like who billy who- billy gum was working at a uh, a charity car wash before the <laughs> the episode he was sudsing up and just really getting in there it was like uh it was it was like a what pacific blue yeah Mr. Ass looks like the kind of guy who just, like, never misses a Burning Man, and he's only uh, by on the playa. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but he, he is out there with, like, uh, low-rise ri- low cut-off jorts and, like, uh, a crop top uh, working it. Like, that episode of Archer when he was the honeypot, when he had a dress and he was, like, wearing a crop top on roller skates. <laughs> That's basically Billy Gunn's whole aesthetic. <laughs> So they come out, Triple H does his bottle thing, and JR says Triple H is spewing his venom literally and figuratively. figuratively. It's water, JR. I don't know what you it's think It's also is going only on. one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter what happened to the WWF in the last thousand years. Yes, the, the past thousand years of WWF history that we all know about. Then, now, forever. Yes, go this on. This <laughs> goes on so fucking long, and none of it made any sense to me. Thank. I don't know when he when he does. Uh, what was what's the name of that group? Um, Ju- Jesus Jones. He kept doing right here, right now. Ugh. And then he said singist, which is great. Thank God for Mick Foley coming out. 
and giving one of the best promos where he acknowledges what has happened between these people and why everybody should be upset with each other in the most perfect way. Yes, it's the history. Mm -hmm. That's what I wanted. Yeah. So happy with it. So it's been 364 days since DX carried him around on on their shoulders when he won the championship against The Rock. And don't all of you know that Triple H has nothing for you once he wins that championship? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Although, uh, and then uh, the nobody gives a damn about X-Pac moment at the end was great, too. Yes. The only bad thing about it was that he called Steph a hoe again, yep. which, you know. What was, by the way, what was the crowd chanting at uh, early on before Mick got there? Do you remember? No. No, I don't maybe, know. Maybe asshole. I don't know. Okay. Probably asshole. There's a lot of asshole chants. So this happens, uh, he gets in the ring, DX starts the beating, The Rock runs out, runs DX out of the ring, they're at the top of the ramp, Triple H starts talking and saying, this place isn't big enough for all of us. Then Stephanie whispers something in his ear before he finishes, so I'm wondering, did Triple H just start talking but not have anything to finish it with, and Stephanie is the one who let him know, like, gave him a plan? Seems like not it. Not surprising. Seems like it. But the plan is we're going to have Mick Foley versus The Rock in a pink slip on a pole match. The loser will be fired from the WWF. Very confusing terminology, right? Because right. when you get fired, yes. you get the pink slip. So it should really be like 401k plus benefits on a pole match. <laughs> And the loser gets the pink slip. I just, yeah, very, very frustrating. It's almost the, as if it should be a uh, director of HR on a pole match, and you have to become that, <laughs> and then you get to issue the pink slip to your opponent. Exactly. Yes. You need to reach down, grab the pink slip, hand it to your opponent, at which point he must accept it and be fired. Have it notarized, change their email password. Oh, God. Then you have to do the exit interview on the poll. Like, you're sitting up there. You're like, is there anything that you would want to change about the company? Exit interview on a poll actually sounds kind of fun. (laughs) So after this, Kane is pacing outside. I guess he never found out the Marriott by the airport. He probably went to the marquee and not the courtyard. Tori comes up, Kane and Tori hug, and Tori lets Kane know that she had the best time with (laughs) X-Pac, which we all know has to be a lie. (laughs) What? Like, hearing Kane talk is really funny. (laughs) He hasn't talked for, like, two years, and the first time he talked before that was, like, what, like, through one of those, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, he had the the talk box. The talk box and this now it's just like what <laughs> before before he was like i will burn myself alive if i lose to the undertaker now it's like girl what you said <laughs> come again and then tori and then tori's like no listen i'm you're still the most important thing to me and then she kisses him on the mask and i'm like is this is this how your like intimacy works? Like, do you just like kiss his leather? 
She could have left any time, but she wasn't going to leave because Kane gave his word, and she wasn't going to do that to Kane's word. Okay, I could. Kane buy- doesn't have a word. His only word is what. <laughs> I can buy that, though. What I can't buy is when she says she's going to go get him something to drink. I'm going to go get you some coffee. There's no way in hell that this demon drinks coffee. Well, he only drinks iced coffee because he is afraid of fire. He hates it. First of all, it is proven fact that Kane only drinks Fruitopia. <laughs> but no, but no, but she doesn't go get him get him coffee. We see her next with a bottle of Snapple in her hand. Yes, the Snapple, that's right. He likes the Snapple facts. At this point, Test puts his arm around her and she runs away, making Test explain in the most Canadian, what was that a boot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was very degrading. He's definitely letting. He's been letting his uh, his uh, denim suit showing uh, show for the last couple episodes because everything he's saying sounds the most Canadian. So Tori comes back mad because Tess touched her. He he violated her. To which Kane responds, <laughs> as though he was. Doesn't Charlie he also Brown say like? Doesn't he also go calm football. down, Tori? Tori, calm down, calm down. What? The grap like like clutching, cradling her head, going was true. Was so how was that not like a meme everywhere? Right, like forever. Like how am I not using that in everyday conversation all the time? Um, so good. So, so okay, can you let me in on something here? Yeah, is no. Tori. Is Tori lying on purpose? Is she crazy? Uh, we're gonna see what enough. We're gonna deal? see enough of this that we're just gonna let you be around along for the ride on this. Also, literally, okay. I don't. Honestly, I don't remember. Like this story was not um, <laughs> memorable. Like I truly, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Eric. I'm like, where is this? Where are we gonna go with this next? I have no. <laughs> She's like, he violated me. I'm like, what? What happened? What is going on? Vaguely, but you didn't bring him the snapple. I vaguely remember this happening, and I remember how it ends, but I don't remember like any of like the the details. But I guess what we're supposed to believe is maybe Tori has some kind of trauma for what happened. While she was with X-Pac, and now um, she doesn't trust men. Although she does trust X-Pac, so I don't know. That throws that out. Yeah, yeah. X-Pac was a gentleman. He wined and dined her. <laughs> he got her, I don't know what he bought her. Probably like a, a bucket of, of wings or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very KFC Christmas at X-Pac's house. <laughs> oh, God. Stephanie, meanwhile, has a diamond, but she wants a new WWF champion as well. And Triple H wants an end to Kurt Angle's win streak. Um, Kane comes in, lets us know that he does not want to fight X-Pac. Instead, he wants to fight Test. I want, I want to fight Test. <laughs> They're like, wait a minute, you've been talking this whole time. <laughs> And uh, just to point out that Kurt Angle does win that match, and again with Steve Blackman helping him out. So does Steve Blackman like him? Like, what's the deal? Mm. It's uh, the what we're supposed to get from that is Stephanie McMahon is ordering Steve Blackman to help Kurt Angle win these matches. Okay, because also there's a lot of uh, segments with Steve Blackman. I don't know if it's in this segment or later, 
but it's it's like <laughs> it's the fucking it's a a real personality suck. It's mm-hmm. like as soon as he's on uh, TV and and Triple H is like, I need you to stop interfering, and Steve's like, Okay, I will. <laughs> Like holy shit, man! What are we doing? I mean, there's a reason that he's that so many of these guys have been inducted into the Hall of Fame, but Steve Blackman has not. But back to Hall of Famers, Mankind is being interviewed by Michael Cole, and Mankind's uh, whole ethos here kind of comes down to a Mankind has to do what a Mankind's got to do. Then we get the very match. very good uh, very good justification mm-hmm. love it and then we get the match between mankind and the rock backstage meanwhile dx has had their catering budget cut they've only got one deli plate for tonight's festivities but al snow runs in partway through the match attacks the rock with head tells mick that he's got it cheers him on to go to the top but mankind being the person that he is attacks Al Snow instead of getting the cheap win. They're fighting up on the pole. The Rock knocks Mankind out of the ring, grabs the pink slip, and throws it down immediately in in disgust. And then Mankind cuts a promo where I know this isn't the last that I'm going to see of him, but I still got chills while I was listening to it. Yeah, I, it definitely worked to me because I was like, I was like, there's no way he's fired. He's not fired. But they, but then he gave like this fucking uh, Lou Gehrig type speech, where I was just like, what is what is happening? Is he like, is he is this like there? Is he injured? Is this their way of like writing him off for a while? Like, what is going on? But he then goes through his um, his goodbye tour, starting with Godfather, Edge, Christian, um, and the Hardys, which, I mean, those would probably be the first guys I would want to see if I was them. That was he goes in- like you're, you're, you're the future of the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Talking to the, the, uh, the truck, yeah, the producers he- in the truck. Giving them some shine in a way we don't get to see them very often. Um, X-Pac, meanwhile, his, his match has been against Kane has been replaced with Jeff Hardy and Kane destroys test and Tori slaps him in the face for what he did. Um, as Mick is saying goodbye to the guy backstage, DX calls on the security to take out Mick. Um, sorry guys, I missed this one in the homework, but they find Mick sitting like kind of ponderously backstage looking at the mankind mask. Uh, Stephanie and Triple H, meanwhile, start yelling at him to get out as though they're the Hendersons and he's a woodland ape that needs to go live on his own. Then we get tripped, but it's fine. (laughs) We get Triple H versus the Big Show and all signs tonight point to Triple H winning this match and taking the uh, championship for himself. There's a low blow and a belt shot by Triple H. This crowd, meanwhile, is fucking on fire. Stephanie gives Triple H a chair. There's a monster shot to the Big Show's head. But before Triple H is able to get the pedigree, Mick Foley arrives like the hero that he is, hits Triple H with the chair, 
allows the Big Show to hit the choke slam and retain the title. This was awesome. This was so much fun and so good. Yeah, have have Mick run in all the time. I love it every mm-hmm. single time. Also, well, the Big he's Show fired now, wearing, Eric. So the Big Show was wearing straight up Spanx. <laughs> I was like, that is a compression shirt and compression pants. You are just compressed. You are just wearing Spanx. Sausage casing. So that takes us to SmackDown on December 30th. Triple H and Stephanie are ki- very kissy kissy. Stephanie's look tonight was doing it for me with that uh, yes. with that Oxford with the tie and the skirt. Yep. Yep, I agree. Bring, probably brings you back to your high school days. Mm-hmm. Every day was like a Britney Spears video. I also, so I think that, uh, I don't know, I have this early on in my notes, so I, I think Tori shows up early, but I feel like she's finally started to get her ring gear a little bit together. Like when she, when you know, before when, before she went to, to X-Pac, she had like, tassels on her on her uh shorts and i was like this is gross what are you doing uh but maybe the days that she spent with x-pac he like just worked with her on like making choices in her wardrobe and i think like she's now doing this black and red thing to go with x with with kane that i'm like okay you're working on it's not the best but at least it's it's like cohesive wait your your justification for her dressing better is that she was hanging out with x-pac some of the it's it, it's like that old uh, that old uh, riddle, like if you if you go to a you know a hair salon and you see like one guy has a really bad haircut and the other guy has a really good haircut, who do you get your haircut by? The guy with the really bad haircut because you know they give each other haircuts. So like uh, X Pac doesn't know how to dress himself, but maybe he knows how to dress others. <laughs> okay. Uh, Stephanie calls in Kane and says that there will be a Kane versus The Rock no holds barred tonight because The Rock was ogling Tori. So you should definitely want to do this. I miss the justification that we had just three days before. May and Moolah head backstage, say that they're friends with Mick. Um... Stephanie responds that there are a bunch of embarrassments for attacking a fan. We'll get more into that again at a later deep dive. And then throughout the night, we get looks back on Mick Foley's career, which again, I'm, I don't think I'm spoiling anything for you, Eric, in saying that Mick Foley is not done here, but they sure yeah. do a hell of a great job making us think that he is. Very funny that they included the, uh, rock this is your life segment you know <laughs> like when uh, it went it first of all it went so long and mm-hmm. second of all it doesn't sound like anybody really liked it i mean i i again i liked it at the time looking back on it okay. is a little bit less favorable it, i think it was at the time a, a fairly well-received spot meanwhile al snow announces that he wants the mick foley spot Triple H wants uh, Al to take out Jeff Hardy like Matt Hardy was, and then he'll have it. Uh, he would not take out Jeff Hardy. Matt would, meanwhile, save him in that match. And Kurt Angle is still undefeated. Tori backstage is getting a Mountain Dew when Stephanie comes up and tells uh, Tori 
how much The Rock likes to violate women, which has to be some kind of slander. Uh, I feel like Steph and Tori have, like, the world's shittiest, like, whisper network. <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, uh, what is it? The bad, like, the assholes in wrestling, uh, like, Google Doc, but they just make up shit. Tori runs up to uh, to Michael Hayes when he's trying to interview The Rock, but after seeing The Rock, she runs away again. During their match, though, Kane going for The Rock accidentally clotheslines Tori, and that's where that one ends. But we get then a fantastic interview between JR and The Rock. Uh, where where yeah. Mick announces that he would his dream ending is going out after main eventing WrestleMania, saying he knew he didn't have that much time left, but he wishes that he was able to end it on his own terms. He, I would love for Mick Foley to explain compound interest to me. <laughs> like, holy shit, that'd be great. I'm more interested in, in what he's, his daughter is learning when she says, if you can't wrestle, we can't eat, and we're all going to die. She's learning the fucking school of hard knocks is what she's learning. So then we go backstage again. X-Pac um, is laughing. Triple H is saying it's not funny. And if that he doesn't beat the big show tonight, he's fired. X-Pac talks this over with the Outlaws, and it seems that there's frustration mounting within Degeneration X. Oh, but is there, or <laughs> is it just all a front? Who knows? Uh, I do want to point out um, it, it's not going to be in any kind of deep dive, but Gangrel and Luna get to wrestle a match together against Viscera and Jackie in the intervening here, which just, I, I can't imagine anything better for those two than being able to wrestle together. Yeah, I was having, that's cool. I was having to almost watch that as we were going through, but then I as I was watching all of this last night, I was like, nope, okay. Keep <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael Hayes finds The Rock and asks if Mick Foley is weighing on his conscience, and The Rock just fucking goes off as him. And then we get X-Pac versus The Big Show, which eventually becomes a three-on-one as the Outlaws join in, and then eventually becomes a four-on-one when Triple H jo- joins in. We get a hell of a... This is where... What were we going to say? We get a hell of a chair shot, though, and Big Show is just bleeding like a motherfucker. Yeah. They hold up his head. This is... We all, we all had something to say. Uh, you, got, you go ahead. Which you? I don't know. <laughs> Bobby, let's, go ahead. Let's go alphabetically. Aaron, you go first. Okay. Um, after that chair shot, uh, Big Show is bleeding like a motherfucker, and Xbox does a Bronco Buster on him where he gets blood all over his dick. I saw that, and then also afterwards, they all hold up the Big Show by his hair, and I was I, all my notes said was Kathy Griffin got canceled for less. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And alphabetically, I come last. Um, also, how it works in the bedroom with me. Um, with, I... with us, Eric. With us. <laughs> <laughs> right. True. Good point. Um, 
I this is the part where the announcers were like, "Oh, he, he's the game. He he outmaneuvered him. It's so brilliant." And like, what the fuck? How brilliant is it to be like? It start. It's a one on one match. Actually, it's a two on one match. Actually, it's a three on one match. Actually, I'm gonna join the match. Like, it's there's nothing brilliant about it. It's literally just like. All right, well, we're gonna, I'm just gonna fucking fuck you up. Like we're gonna do, we're gonna add as many people as we can to to beat you, which is fine. You can also do that. It's just like, like if you want to say, man, Triple H is super. You know, he knows how to be super unfair and super cruel. That's one thing. But like, if you really think that this is like some sort of like master stratagem. Um, you're a fucking moron. I don't know. Like, like, don't try checkers. It's probably beyond you. So we did it, guys. We made it out of 1999. We beat the Y2K virus. We, it is... where, where were you guys? Where, where were you guys for the millennium, by the way? Home. Uh, yeah, I was at home. All right. My mom was. Well, keep in mind, I, I, I was. Now, keep, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm younger than you. Um, so, yeah. I was but a child. I was a freshman in high school. Um, I so I was home, and also, of course, on top of the fact that I was 13, my mom was also wanted us all home in case something did. She didn't think that was going with the Y2K, but just in case, <laughs> oh my she god, she just would feel better if we were all in the house. So um, we were all this home. Unbelievable. I was just you a, were in the you were in the shelter. Yeah, we were down. I was just, we were a, the uh, I was just a dorky seventeen year old that didn't have any plans on New Year's. I was in Australia sitting on a beach. Uh I, I did a I, I my friend and I I had worked over the summer at this uh at a beach club and I made a bunch of money working at this beach club, like it you know it's it, you work like seventy hours a week, but you know for like I don't know twelve weeks or so. This is uh, uh, you also... and, and this is the reason why Eric Silver is amazing at putting up beach umbrellas. Yeah, I'm very. I, I will put up a beach umbrella so it will not come out from the wind. Um, but yeah, so uh, I was working at a beach club and and you know working a ton of hours and getting a lot of good tips, and so I made a bunch of money, and I was like, fuck, I like lost an entire summer. And I had never traveled outside of the country. And my friends and I were like, where should we like my, and my friend was just like, yeah, I, my parents will just pay for me to go somewhere. So I was like, Oh, well, that's great for you. <laughs> uh, so we, so we were like, where should we go? And we're like, let's go to the other side of the world. We, so we um, flew to Australia and we paid for, I don't know if it's still around Kentucky tours. We did like a, a we literally did a tour uh up and down the east coast of australia uh and for um from you know for the millennium for the actual new year's eve i was sitting on a beach in surfer's paradise uh i had been i had gotten way too drunk already and i was uh sitting on the beach we're, we're all watching the fireworks and i'm sitting on the beach and immediately have to vomit so i'm just like digging holes in the beach vomiting and covering them up back uh like with over with the sand like it was my own giant litter box i'm, um, just, I'm just picturing some kid building a sand castle the next day <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah but it was a very formative time in my life 
That sounds like a much better time than either of us had. You asshole. So well, we've you'll got, make up for it uh, eventually. I'll get to Australia one of these days. I thought we were like, "What'd you do for Eric?" Eric's like, "Just curious. What were you guys doing in 2000?" And we were like, we were doing it. "Oh, Eric, what were you doing?" And he's like, "Oh, me and Leonardo DiCaprio. We found this beach. Tilda Swinton was there. It's like a whole yeah. It's weird. I just happen to have a story for this particular moment. I don't know." <laughs> So, on the January 3rd episode of Monday Night Raw, The Rock, the only man in 2000 to look good in leopard print, comes out. Okay. On the one hand, yes. Because I watched this, I was like, would I wear this outfit? Because that outfit wholesale is available on ASOS.com. However, <laughs> I was looking at it closely, and it's, it's the cut. It's like, okay, but he's we- but I would look like I was wearing his. Because it's like, the what he's wearing is Viscera's. And so, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a chain mm-hmm. of too big cut, too square, too boxy. But we are so in Miami, close, and there. so yeah. he announces, finally, The Rock has come back home. Which is really, really good, and he's here to stand up for Mick, but am I the only one who was like, this rock bit is going on way too long? It was a very indulgent and long opening. Yes. Because you know me. I love me some rock. But man, this was this was too much for me. They really were like, it's your hometown. Go out there and like, you know, roll in it. Roll around mm-hmm. in it a bit. Um, so we learn that Triple H will go one-on-one with the big show. Meanwhile, to close out the show, The Rock will be in a handicap match that if he loses, he will be fired. Who will The Rock's opponents be? It doesn't matter who they are! (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Best, best use of it I've, I've seen to date. Um, Road Dog, meanwhile, is out there going, it's D's nuts! It's D's nuts! Your partner's D's nuts! Damn it! Um, also, um, Triple H seems to think that Pavlov's dog barked when Pavlov hmm. rang a bell. <laughs> okay, sure. You came close enough. We also find out that uh, Triple H tells Blackman that if he interferes in Kurt's match, he will get fired. And um, Blackman goes, okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. So Blackman instead hits Kurt with the kendo stick this time giving them the dq win and keeping the streak alive but now we come to triple h versus the big show um i don't have a lot of notes on this match i thought it was fine i thought the the match that they had um on the previous raw was a lot better I spent a lot of time watching the security guard that kept rubbing his head after the big show hit him after falling over the barricade. Uh, But eventually this leads to a DX distracting the ref. There's a low blow. There's a pedigree. And Triple H wins the championship basically on his own. Green and black balloons fall from the ceiling. Backstage, they celebrate with champagne and then we get a shot of Big Show leaving the arena, but he's going to leave shirtless. <laughs> I mean, I guess it is Miami. <laughs> Imagine just like driving around in Miami, you know, fucking uh, having a daiquiri, 
just like hanging out and the next thing you know you look over like and then there's the big show driving down the street like half out of his car an enormous human being with no shirt on (laughs) shirtless and very very sad yeah what a fucking trip that would be so i mean it's still australia for new year's but what do you know Uh... (laughs) (laughs) so i was gonna say but i was like i'll leave it so triple h is once again on top of the company champion once again and that's where we're going to leave you for this week we're going to be a cliffhanger as far as whether or not the rock gets fired and we never ever hear from him ever again um i i will say uh what a surprise that that the rocks handicap match uh is against dx who would have thought that that uh you know the three people that the Rockwood face would happen to be the very three people that um, Triple H has been pitting against everybody for the past month. And we'll hear about that next week. But in the meantime, love us, disagree, want to. Want to roll our classic moments for uh, an entire episode? Let us know. Email us at hellinacellphone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at Pod, or tweet at us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slowpass. Our theme song is There Are Traders in Our Mitts by Disco Vietnam and our artist by Alexis Yadney. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll have a new episode next week and join us again in two weeks for the 2000 Royal Rumble. Tori, Tori, calm down. Use your words. Tell me what happened.